We're going to let our children ages 4 through 3rd grade make their way in that direction to junior worship. As they're going to junior worship, I want to mention to you an incredibly important aspect of our worship to God. Not just business of the church, our worship to God, and that is our regular offering. Um, and we give you four different ways you can bring your offering to the Lord. You can do, for those of you that are in person, you can give your offering right there at the table on the way out. You can mail a check to the uh, church address. A lot of you do that. You can go online to our website at eastsidesprings.com. You can click on the website uh, link there. It's quite easy to follow. Or you can do an automatic draft through your bank as well. No problem to do that at all. It's an important aspect of worship. It's an important aspect of our offering. So important. That's the segue into what we're going to look at today. Take your Bibles and let's turn now to Luke chapter 16, Luke 16. For those of you that are not in person, but you're still with us by live stream, we are absolutely delighted to have you with us. And to those of you who are far, far away in California of all things, like Carl and Diane and Ginger, uh, you can still come back home. We miss you and we love you. Luke 16 we're going to be looking in verses 1 through 17 this morning. We are in a series in Luke, but what we're doing, we're, we're having a little bitty mini-series throughout the, our larger series in Luke. And right now we're in one that's speaking about our, our, our money and our finances and the economy, which I have entitled, Jesus Kingdom Economy. And I guess it was two or three weeks ago that our, our budget presentation, it served something of a, of a catalyst for this series to help us understand that our giving, our, our income, our spending, and our giving, whether as a church, whether as families, whether as an individual, it is all very much an integral part of our relationship to God in our walk of spiritual faith. What you do with your money, what you do with your material possessions, read your Bibles and it's clear, it's huge to God. It really matters to God a lot. Now, as some of you may remember, I'm dating us a little bit. Years ago, the candidate at that time, Bill Clinton, was running for president. And one of his driving slogans to, to motivate his, his workforce of volunteers, the slogan was, it's the economy, stupid. And they understood something that we as voters care about social issues we care about domestic policy. We care about foreign policy. We really care about foreign policy right now in, on the world stage. We, we care about the moral character of our elected officials, or at least we should. But I'm guessing one of the things that unites or divides us more than anything else, one of the things that really drives our thinking when we step into that voting booth is the economy because that hits home. That hits the pocketbook. That affects our wallets. That's true now, obviously, but it was true as well on the time when Jesus was walking on the earth and he understood that. And so when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I'm thinking one of the, one of the most dominant themes, one of the things he talked about more than anything else was our possessions and our money and our income. 
If you read all of the parables in Jesus, this is one of the dominant themes in Jesus' parables as well. As a matter of fact, it's the primary theme in our parable today that we're going to be looking at. And I believe Jesus was emphasizing this for two basic reasons. This was important to him because I I believe this biblically speaking, but also through experience. One of the greatest dangers to you, one of the greatest dangers to your family, one of the greatest dangers to your faith Biblically speaking, even your eternal destiny is what you do with your stuff. Read scripture. It's pretty strong about that. And so Jesus gives that a lot of attention. But I think also he speaks of this because one of the truest indicators of where God is in your life, one of the truest indicators of your spiritual health and maturity is not simply your church attendance or your smiles or your clothes But it's what you do with what God has given you through your finances and your material possessions. So we're looking at that in this most unusual parable this morning. Now, before we jump into it, it's often helpful to go, well, well, who's the listeners? Who is Jesus' audience? That kind of puts you in the historical context. And so you start out in chapter 16 in verse 1, and and you see that it says, that in verse 1 with the words Jesus told his disciples well that makes it clear that his listeners were his followers they were there listening but there were more people in the audience than that day if you go to the end of this chapter let's just skip to the end of it you look in verse 14 we find that there were other group that was in the audience as well in verse 14 it says the Pharisees who loved money heard all this so they're listening too right and they were sneering at Jesus. Now, y'all don't do that this morning, okay? They, they were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of God, but God knows your hearts. What, is, what, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. So, we see also his disciples there in the crowd, but there's these Pharisees that are there. And I would call them, these are, and I've got this in quotation marks because I mean this a bit sarcastically, although they wouldn't have thought that. These are the faithful, church-going, Bible-believing folks who to look at them on the outside and to look at themselves in the mirror, it was just godly all over the place in the sight of others. But in the sight of God... They were detestable, this verse says, because they loved their money. That was their God. Could that be any of us? And so this is the combined audience of this parable. And he tells this parable that I don't know if you've ever read this one before, but it leaves you kind of, what? kind of shocked, kind of confused, because you're going to get the impression that Jesus is saying in this story, you see this bad guy, I want you to be just like him. So that's, that's kind, of, that's kind of, of, of a shock. And so let's look at this parable that gave a sneering reaction to Jesus' original audience, a lot of them, has caused so many of us to walk away a bit confused. And let's see What can we discover here about Jesus' kingdom economy? All right, Luke 16, 1, let's jump in. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my management any longer. Okay, let's just make sure we get this. And so you have this man and 
He, he's been given the job of, he's the manager. He oversees the, the wealth and the property and the and possessions of this very wealthy businessman. But evidently this manager has been wasteful and irresponsible with his boss's possessions and his boss's money. So the boss calls him in. Have you ever had the boss call you in? The boss called him in and said, dude, you're fired. But before you leave, I want you to go to everyone and get all the books accounted for. I want you to get everything straightened up for me. I want you to get everything in order. And then I want you to clean, up, clean out your desk. I want you to pack up. I want you to leave. You are done. Okay, so, so far, we're not going, that's not complicated. So let's keep going. Verse 3. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and, and I'm ashamed to beg. Okay, let's stop again. I'll make sure we understand this. So this guy's like, oh, man, I got a big problem. Now, <laughs> there's no way I'm doing manual labor, and begging is beneath me, but I'm in big trouble because I'm in a place where I'm getting ready to be on the street without a job and without any money. What am I going to do? So you got to understand, in this day and time, someone that served a, a boss like this, he lived on the manager's estate. It wasn't his own house, and so he was getting ready to lose that. That's still, we're going, okay, not too complicated. I'm, I'm with the story. So he comes up with this clever idea, but we're going to use the word shrewd. He comes up with this shrewd idea of what he's going to do. That's our, that's our, our primary word today. Verse 4. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Okay, so 900 gallons of olive oil is not saying anything to many of us because I don't think we're dealing in, in that world. So let me try to explain this to you. 900 gallons of olive oil, on the, that was huge in their day and time. It was the equivalent to three years' salary that this guy owed, this, this rich, wealthy businessman. So to compare that to us today, if you take the average annual income of, of people in Colorado, which is basically roughly 85000 you make three years' salary, you multiply that by, by three, this guy is owing $255,000. And the manager says, just mark off 50%. Can you imagine the bank calling you and saying that? Mark off 50%. Now you only owe 127500 It's a totally different story now. And so you can imagine the guy owing the money. The debtor was just like ecstatic. And so the guy that reduced his loan is sitting there going, I hope he remembers me. And he's sitting there thinking, he's probably thinking, best manager ever. Man, if you're ever in trouble, if you ever need help, like if you're ever in a situation, you need a place to stay, don't hesitate to, to call me. So then he does the same thing with a second, with, with another debtor in verse 7. And let's keep reading. Then he asks the second one, well, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And so here's what I did. I took the same calculations. How much is that in our day and time? And I calculated according to our average salary. He's basically subtracting this guy's debt by about $150,000. And he's hoping these guys are like, man, greatest manager in the world. 
And the manager is thinking he's hoping that these guys are going to remember this so that when he's in trouble, he's on the street, he doesn't have a place to live, he doesn't have a job, these guys will say, sure, man, why, we remember how you helped us out. So still, we're, we're going, okay, the, 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 the story is, is not that difficult. And then all of a sudden, it takes the weirdest, confusing turn. This is where you go, what's that? Look at verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. And you're going, no, wait a minute. (laughs) This guy just ripped you off of hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're commending him? I thought you should be angry at this guy. You need to be coming after this guy. You need to be suing this guy. But to the contrary, the master is it's kind of like saying, well done. Now, he's not, he's not praising his embezzlement. It doesn't say that. He's not praising his dishonesty. He's praising him for his shrewdness. So this guy was a, a crook for sure, all right? But he was like, he was a good crook, if you could say that. He was a, he was a, a shrewd crook. And it's almost like the boss is going, man, you got me. That was, that was, that was really good. But then to make the story more complicated and to add to the shock and the confusion, as you keep reading, you see that Jesus commends this guy for his shrewdness. And this is where we go. Jesus moves from the narration of the story to the, to the application of the story. All right, let's keep reading. Second half of chapter 16, verse 8. Second half of verse 8, I meant to say. Jesus says, this is what I'm trying to tell you with this story. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little can also be trusted will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will, give you true, who, will give, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now this, this story is packed with tons of stuff that I don't have time to cover, and you're going to leave today with a lot of questions that I'm not going to answer. That's why we have life groups. You guys unpack all that. What I want to do today, you unpack all that in your life groups, I want to give you four, what I believe to be, when you're confused, like, what is clear? What can we know for certain? I'm going to give you what I believe to be four clear lessons of practical application from this story. What I'm calling four important truths that are foundational, that guide Jesus' kingdom economy, okay? So first of all, in Jesus' kingdom economy, we need to understand you are a manager, not an owner. You see, when when you're reading these parables, you've got to figure out, okay, now this person represents whom? This person, where, where am I in this story? It's incredibly important as you work through this story if we try to identify whom the characters represent, that we understand that in this story, you're not the owner. And that's important because a lot of us are living our lives like we think we are the owner. You're not. You are 
the manager. And just as this manager, what this manager oversaw and, and all that he was responsible for was not his own, but it all belonged to his boss, it all belonged to his master. In the same way, listen, all that you are and all that you have is not yours. It's God's. God has simply given your life and all that you are and all that you have. It's a gift that he has entrusted into your care while you're living on this earth. Your house is not yours. Your car is not yours. Your clothes are not yours. Your cabin or vacation home is not yours. Whatever amount of money you have in the bank, you don't have that. It's his. Now, if that's kind of freaking you out for further studying this, I would recommend that you look at the two passages. I left them. We're not going there. We don't have time to. But it's two other parables that Jesus, Jesus really builds on this theme a lot about being a manager, not being the owner in Luke 19 and, and Matthew 25. And, and, and you can study those further on your own. Maybe you've heard in the abortion debate the expression, and I've mentioned this before in our study of Jude, my body, my choice. Not at all. And it's certainly not true if you're a believer in Jesus. You see this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The apostle Paul is actually he's not talking about abortion here. He's making an argument against sex outside of marriage, which is a huge rampant sin in our society today. Huge rampant sin in the church as well. And so he's making a point about this. Notice the point that he's making. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And here's the point. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It is not your body to do with as you please for yourself. It's not your money. It's not your material possessions. It's all his entrusted to you. In Jesus' kingdom economy, you are the manager, not the owner. All right? Point number one. Point number two in Jesus' kingdom economy, and if I were really a slick preacher, I'd have this in two or three words. So these are long, probably poor grammar sentences. Secondly, in Jesus' kingdom economy, you are to honor. What am I supposed to do that God has given to me to manage? You are to honor and serve God's eternal kingdom purposes with the life, the money, and material possessions you have been given to manage while you're here on this earth. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Let me say that again. What, what am I supposed to do if it's not mine and God has given it to me to manage? Well, you're supposed to take and use it for God's purposes in honoring him as long as you're here on this earth. So the question is, are you doing that? It's all his. It's just a question of how are you using it? Are you investing all that you are and all that you have into God's eternal kingdom purposes or in the parable that we looked at two weeks ago I believe it was are you storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven or as Jesus says here in verse 9 are you using your worldly wealth to gain listen to this to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings what does that mean well let's look at that with the words, when it's gone, Jesus is reminding us that 
the whatever worldly wealth and possessions you have, one day it's, it's going to be gone. And that day is going to be the day that you die. You, maybe you've heard the, the adage, you, maybe you've uh, heard it said before, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. I think we have a picture of that, except in that picture, I don't know where they got that. You can't take it with you. I always joke with people, when I die, put as many boxes of cherry frosted Pop-Tarts in my casket as you can. I love those. But the truth is, I can't take those with me, okay? But let me tell you something. There is one thing that you can take with you from this life into life eternal. One thing. It's others. It's others. And so what I believe Jesus is saying here, use the material resources and the life that you have right now to win as many others, to save as many in this world as you can so that when you step from this life into eternity, you will be welcomed by them. Anything else that you do with your life and your material possessions that isn't for that purpose, but is for you and for your life here on this earth, it is wasting your life and your possessions. Just like the manager in the story in verse 1, he was accused of wasting his boss's possessions. Now, this isn't saying you shouldn't financially take care of the needs while you're here living on this earth, but it is saying you need to live for a greater and a higher and eternal purpose. And that leads us to the next point, point number three. And these are all long drawn out. I'll make it short, then I'll make it long. Number three, in Jesus' economy, you are accountable. And then the long, the long version of that, in Jesus' economy, a kingdom economy, you are accountable to God for the life and material possessions he has entrusted in your care to manage while you're here on this earth. Now, I was saying a lot. Let me try to explain that. Chapter 16 and verse 2, when the boss is speaking to this manager, he called him in. That's just a horrible thought. He called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management. We are accountable. We are managers, not owners. And we are accountable to God for the life and material possessions he's entrusted to our care to manage while we're here on this earth. Now, if you want to know more about that, if you want to learn more about that, go back. You know those two parables I gave you in in, um, Luke 19 and Matthew 25? Go back and read about this, this theme of accountability. As a matter of fact, read all of Matthew chapter 25. That's the theme of that whole chapter. As a matter of fact, read the whole Bible, and you can see this theme of accountability built all throughout it. Now, it's really important that we understand here when I speak about accountable to God, we're not talking about what you do to be saved. We're not talking about it's a matter of work salvation. Do this with these things, and then you'll get to heaven. It's not about that at all. Here's what I believe I understand it to mean. As you called in to stand before God to give an account of your life, what it does at that moment, it just reveals who you are. And it reveals who your God, who your master really is. That's what it's about. And that's why Jesus says, you can't have two gods. You can't serve two masters. The boss said to the manager, what's this I hear about you? And I'm just wondering, what is being heard about you? What does your use of your life, your money, and your possessions, 
what's being heard about that? What, what is it saying about you? What is it saying about who you are? And what is it saying about who your God or what your God really is? Now, it's at this point, you don't want to make the mistake of letting your religion fool you as these guys that were listening were doing. They, they thought to themselves, man, I'm, I'm a good Bible believer in church going folks here in verse 14. They were fooling others. They were even fooling themselves with an outward impression of religion. But in truth, their love for money showed that God really wasn't their God. But their money was their God. And Jesus isn't telling this parable to slam them. He's telling this parable to help them see a reflection of themselves. To help them realize what needed to change in their lives. Now this leads us to the final point from this parable. These first three points, these were like just me kind of setting the stage for, and here's his main point, all right? Point number four. In Jesus' kingdom economy, you are to be shrewd with the life and possessions you have been given to manage while you're here on this earth. You are to be shrewd Shrewd with the life and possessions you've been given to manage while here on this earth. And you see this main point in verse 8 after he tells the parable in verses 8 and 9. After the manager was commended by the um, master, Jesus says, For people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light. Implication being, you as people of the light, as God's people, as followers of Jesus, you should be even more shrewd. Going, okay, but what do you mean? How do you do that? Verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That's how you do it. Now, let's, let's, let's just stop for a minute and talk about this word shrewd because we kind of let, it kind of scares us a little bit. We typically, when we say the word shrewd in our culture, we kind of have a, a negative connotation of that word. But let me tell you something about that, biblically speaking. In Matthew chapter 10, as Jesus is sending his disciples out to evangelize, he's sending them out to make friends who will welcome them in heaven. You know what instructions he gives them? He says, I want you to be shrewd. He does. He says, I want you to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. And that word shrewd, if I were to open up the dictionary that would be, that would be used for understanding these words in the Bible, it's translated as sensible, thoughtful, prudent, wise, and especially as you're thinking about your future in this context. And so Jesus is saying to his listeners, take a look at this guy, this shrewd manager. Take a look at the people in the world and look at how they are being so shrewd and preparing for their future. And if he were standing up here today, I think he would say it more like this. Just stop for a minute and take a look at Jeff Bezos, the owner of, that's how you say his name, I'm not sure, the owner of, um, of Amazon. Get in your car if you have and a car. And drive, most of us do, right? Drive to the airport, and as you're on your way to the airport, look to the right and look at those monster Amazon distribution center buildings. There's three of them. Go on a tour. Look how they're doing it. Go to the Olympic training center that we have here in Colorado Springs and watch those athletes. 
Go to Peterson Air Force Base. Go to Fort Carson. Go to Shriver. Go to NORAD. Go to the uh, Air Force Academy. Look at their zeal. Look at their courage. Look at the risk they take. Look at the investments these people are making with their money. Look at their drive. Look at their sacrifice. Look at their strategies. Look at their devotions to things that are temporal for their future only on this earth. Look at that, Jesus says. You know, I think it was two or three weeks ago when I did the budget presentation, I talked about the money we put into this building. And I'm not trying to convince you to put money into the building, just using this as an illustration. I would say just drive down Flint Ridge to the corner of Flint Ridge and Academy and look at what McDonald's is doing and the amount of money they're spending to refurbish their building so that they can better position themselves to accomplish their purpose of making hamburgers. Did you, did you, did you, um, did you see in the news? We got a new Whataburger in town up there on Interquest. There was a guy, true story, it opened on Wednesday. He camped out from Saturday to Wednesday. What was the temperature? All right, sub-zero. He's camping out from Saturday to Wednesday so he could be first in line for hamburgers. How long is it going to be for there to be a mile-long line at that in and out up there as well? And Jesus is saying, look at that. How much greater shrewdness or how much greater zeal and courage and risk and investments with your money. How much greater drive and sacrifice and strategies and devotion should be in our lives for things that are eternal. I think that's his point. Now, here's where it gets, where it might step on your toes, or gets a little bit convicting if it isn't already. I think though we as followers of Jesus may not be as shrewd as people are in the world with our approach to the kingdom of God, let's be honest, we are pretty shrewd in a lot of things that have to do with our lives on this earth, with our jobs, aren't we? With our hobbies. There's a lot put into our children's education and their sports. And there's a lot we're thinking about for planning for our retirement. All for this life on this earth. What if we just gave half of that effort, half of that sacrifice to things of the kingdom of God that we're giving to the things of this world? What an incredible impact we would make in the kingdom of God in this world. Now, you may be saying, well, Eddie, okay, I hear you, man. And I'll tell you, if I just had more time, if I just had more energy, if I had more money, I'd be doing some incredible stuff for God and his kingdom. Trust me. If I, if I could just win the lottery, you watch and see what I would do for God. I would do so much. You would not. You would not. Jesus says, that's his point he makes in verses 10 through 12. He says, you know, if you're not faithful and trustworthy with the little you have, <laughs> you won't be even if you win the lottery or even if you have tons of extra time in, in, a, in, in your life. Because he says, look, it's not about what you have and how much. It's simply this. It's about who you are right now. And it's about who your God is right now. So the question is, what does the use of your life and possessions say about you and your God? Who are you? 
who is your God. And if, if you're not comfortable with the answer to that question, I guess you got two choices. You can sneer at me. And yet God's word, as some of the audience in this story did, or you can let God's word penetrate into your heart and create the life change necessary to align your life with his will and to take God and put him where he belongs in the highest place. Because you see, you see, it's the economy, stupid. Jesus, kingdom, economy. Did our preacher just call me stupid? Well, are you? Let's stand and pray. Father, we offer these words to you. This is some kind of parable you gave us, Lord. Uh, Some kind of parable. Take it and and let these truths penetrate way beyond our ears and our eyes and through our heads and down into our hearts and then translate in what happens with our lives on a daily basis. Do what I cannot do and, and as you, Holy Spirit, individualize us and personalize us and show us what you're calling us to in our lives. Lord, we come to you now and we offer our prayers to you. We offer this song as, as not simply a closing song, but as a prayer to you. And as we go into this time of prayer, I want to encourage you, if you are in need of prayer, to, to reach out to someone close by. If you know someone that's here that's in need of prayer, I want to encourage you to, um, to go to them. Our shepherds are here to be available to pray with you as well. They may come looking for you. You can go looking for them. As a matter of fact, I, I want to ask this morning... Um, a few requests of our shepherds in this time of prayer. Alan, since you're sitting close by, Skip, um, Skip is hurting deeply like many of us are because of Jim Inman. I want to ask any of you that want to surround Skip and pray over the loss of Jim Inman. We want to, we can do that. Um, don't do this for all birthdays. Oh, Abigail's not here, but um, Jake and Linda, where are you? Jake, I'm going to ask if you and Linda would go and, and stand with Amanda and Scott Abigail's story is, is, is nothing short of a God story. It's her birthday day. Let's give thanks to God. And there's a little brother or sister on the way. Let's pray for that child as well. And then um, I, I'm, I'm going to ask that Ted and Jackie, if, if uh, you will go stand next to William and Melissa. William is from Ukraine. And his country is going through some crazy horrible stuff right now and we we can lift up a prayer so William is back there I don't mean to put you on the spot my friend but we just want to stand by your side and support you so gather at these places or gather other places let's go before God in prayer Father in heaven we lift up these prayers to you we offer ourselves to you and Father I pray for those who've never entered into the kingdom of God as we look at Jesus kingdom economy God work in their hearts to bring them into your kingdom through being born again Father hear these prayers that we offer up to you in Jesus name Hey I'm Eddie White the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission 
of making disciples of all nations.